Black college football starts and stops in Atlanta, Georgia. We kicked it off with the MEAC Swag Challenge, and now it's Florida A&M versus FAMU in a Celebration Bowl. Oh, yeah, it's locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked on HBCU podcast, your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics. Monday through Friday, part of the Locked on podcast network, your team every day. And I, of course, am Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor and current contributing writer, at USA Today's Saints Wire. Thank you for going on this journey with me. Make it locked on HBCU. Your first listen of the day, every day. And remember, just because the mic cuts off does not mean that the journey's over. Just means it's time to follow me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Starts with an S and ends with an S. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app today, create an account, and use the code Locked On College for $20 off your first purchase. It's all about the Celebration Bowl. The season starts and stops in ATL, Georgia. And right now, we're at the end of the season, unfortunately. That means this is our last game of the week, but it's a big one. It's the Celebration Bowl. Florida AM, Howard, Bison, Rattlers. Three matchups, two storylines, and a key to victory. So let's go out with a bang. Let's go out with a bang and kick it off with one of my favorite pair of matchups of the three. There's a pair of matchups that I'm looking forward to in a way that I can't remember the last time I was this excited about two matchups in the same game. Let's start it off with Florida A&M's passing attack versus Howard's secondary. This is big on big. This is big on big the same way the next one is. But this is the bread and butter of the FAMU offense. This is what FAMU's offense does really well. When you think about, really, when you think about Florida football, when you think about the the way they move, the explosive nature, when you think about some of the wide receivers that have come out of that state, FAMU embodies it because they have a lot of athleticism in their receiving core. You add in their tight ends. They have a lot of weapons on that team. But it starts off with Marcus Riley and John Murray Sharif. It's those two top receivers. Now, of the, the, the bunch, including those two, you have five wide receivers, or excuse me, five receiving threats, because they're not all wide receivers, five receiving threats that have had over 300 yards in this season. But it starts off with Riley and it starts off with Sharid. And Sharid is kind of the go-to guy because he has the most catches. He's been around for a long time. But Marcus Riley is explosive. Marcus Riley leads the team in yards despite being about, I think, 14 catches behind Sharid. So this is a dynamic duo. Both are second team all swag. Then you also have the offensive player of the year in Jeremy Musa. Then you have an offense that in total, 
is averaging 232 yards per game. Now we can have number conversations and we can have guy conversations. And when you're looking at these two, but I'll start off with just this matchup and I'll stop leaning towards the other one or alluding towards the other one. There's some guys here, Riley, Sheree, Kenny Gallup on the other side, right? Safety for Howard, Aeneas Williams award for the best defensive back in black college football. He's a finalist for that award. But you look at Howard as a team, right? Because we can have guy conversations and we can have number conversations. We're going to have a whole lot of that in this segment. Howard's allowed 120 yards per game through the air. That's it. There's guys who get that in the first half. They've allowed 120 yards per game. And I think that maybe where you saw it on best display was that North Carolina Central game. When they faced Central, Davius Richard couldn't get anything going. And this is a central offense that's really good at stretching vertically. This is a central offense that's really good for finding a play. They couldn't find a play. There was nothing there for North Carolina Central. And that's a credit to the Howard secondary because I've seen them do it all the time. It's very rare to see them shut down like that. So who are you going to credit for it, right? So now let's look on the other side because let's go big on big on that side. And you have the Howard running attack versus the FAMU front seven. And this is exciting, too, because we can have number conversations or we can have guy conversations. So who do you want to talk about? Do you want to look at Eden James and Jared Hunter? Because I've been promoting this as a, a three man backfield, and it is to a certain degree. you got to give some respect to Ian Wheeler, but he just hasn't seen the touches that those two guys have seen. So it's kind of like we need to focus in on James and Hunter. You want to look at Isaiah Major? You look at Johnny Chaney on the other side. Those running backs are real good. You want to look at Gentle Hunt. You want to look at Anthony Dunn. We have some superstar power in this game when you really get to rattling off names. But a lot of times to illustrate how well somebody's playing on this side of the ball, I can't just give you names. Because I might say Eaton James. You say, oh, Edgerin's son? Right? And yes, technically. But, for example, substitute teacher here. I subbed at a school that my mom worked in. Yeah, I guess this whole school district thing was just in the family. I ain't continuing that trend. But anywho, I subbed at a school that my mom worked at. And they were like, oh, you Coach Gray's son. No, I'm Mr. Gray. That's how I look at Edrin. I mean, Edrin. That's how I look at Eden. Yes, that's Edrin James's son, technically. But with what he's done this year specifically, that's Eden James. That ain't Edrin's son. That's Eden James. But you look at Jared Hunter, and Hunter's the lead back for this team. Hunter's the back who's, at the end of the year, has been getting the most carries. He's been leading the league in, or leading the, the team in yardage, and he's been getting the most usage. So let's look at what he's been able to do at the end of the year, specifically that last game. 20, uh, 20 carries for 108 yards against Morgan State. Eden James has 16 carries. For 90 yards against Morgan State. And yes, they performed well in other games, but this was A, the last game. So it's the most recent performance. And what do they say? This is a uh, what have you done late lately for me, right? Eden James lately has had 16 for 90 against an elite Morgan State defense. Jared Hunter has had 20 for 108 against an elite Morgan State defense. And now they're about to go against an elite FAMU defense. And that's why this is so exciting, because people talk about 
the difference between how the MEAC plays and the SWAC plays and the physicality. Well, there's no way for us to judge physicality better than the running game. There's no way for us to judge physicality better than what happens within those trenches, right? There's no better way for me to look at who's going to be more physical than within the three yards in front of and behind the line of scrimmage. There's no way for me to for me to really judge physicality in a better way than the front line of Howard on the offensive side and the front line of FAMU on the defensive side. And when we get beyond there, then we can start talking about when these running backs and these linebackers collide because they can both run sideline to sideline and they can both get vertical. This is exciting. This is football. This is what you should be tuning in for. And I think in this spiel that I didn't plan on going on, I just found out which of the two big matchups I'm the most excited for. And that's Howard's rushing attack versus FAMU's front seven. Ooh-wee! This is a game. This is a game. And I'll make it short with this next one because it's not as exciting, but it, it it's important. And it's the FAMU rushing attack versus the Morgan State, the Morgan State, the FAMU rushing attack versus the Howard front seven. And this is this is not big on big, but I did name FAMU's rushing ability as my X factor for a reason. Go back to Monday's episode and you'll hear that in length. This the whole segment about FAMU's ability to rush and how that can alter the, the game, alter the offense for them. I'll be brief in saying. I believe that FAMU's ability to run can give them four-quarter consistency. Not fourth-quarter consistency, but four-quarter consistency. So that's what I think is so important about it. And I'll give this extra wrinkle, but really, I, I, I urge you to go back and check out Monday's episode because I thought it was a really good explanation of why that could be so altering. I want to see John Murray Sheree run the ball more. He's ran the ball 11 times this year. Five of those times were against TSU. And I watched that with my own with my own eyes. Um, Coach Simmons was asked about it after the game, and he talked about how versatile he is and how beneficial that can be to an offense. Then he didn't do it anymore. I would love to see that come back in this game. It's the last game of the season. You got to leave everything out there. And I think that John Murray Sharid motioning around, getting jet sweeps, um, maybe even some direct snaps every now and then. I think that that would be a nice wrinkle for us to be able to watch in the Celebration Bowl. But as we move forward, as we move forward, we're now going to look at some of the storylines. We looked at the matchups, and that's what's going to define the game. But what are the stories that we should be tracking as we continue or as we go to the game? We'll look at those as we continue with Locked On HBCU. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Now, I'm excited because my plan was to go to the Timberwolves-Mavericks game. That was my plan. I was supposed to be there right now, but I'm happy that I didn't because Anthony Edwards was hurt the game before. I don't think that he played this game. Let me see real quick. Oh, he did play. I should have bought some tickets. And if I did buy some tickets, I was on the Game Time app. I was looking at the prices, about $26 for where I wanted to sit, right? Last minute, up to the last minute. But I was like, you know what? I don't know if Ant's going to play or if he, even if he's going to be 100%. And if Ant ain't there, I'm going to be mad that I spent money. But could have went to Game Time with it. and could have got $20 off your first purchase if you're new to it. I'm new to it. So go to, go to Game Time, download the app, create an account, 
and then use the code locked on college for wherever you are. And hopefully the star player isn't missing because I know how aggravating that could be. But go to game time. Nevertheless, go to a comedy show, a theater play, uh, go to an athletic event, whatever you want. Local events all over the app. Go to game time, create an account and use the code locked on college to get twenty dollars off your first purchase. As we continue rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making this your first listen of the day every day. And listen, don't forget to go check out Locked on Sports today, the first ever 24-7 podcast stream. Now, what did Mason just text me? Some transfer portal news. Let's see. What can I break some transfer portal? Oh, yeah, Juwan Howe went to South Carolina, y'all. We weren't going to talk about that on the show, so... Anyway, shout out Mason Smith, always making sure that I'm staying updated. Uh, former SI reporter, now out there in Pennsylvania, still keeping his ear to the HBCU streets. But let's look at the big game, right? Because I had actually seen that news. But um, I was hoping that was going to be a, a news about body, see where he was going to go or see where Mikey, not Mikey, uh, Keenan Isaac was going to go. I'm all over the place right now. But where I need to be is right here in the Celebration Bowl looking at it. Two storylines, and I think the first one is that this is a Quentin Williams farewell game, and Coach G was on here yesterday. He was talking about how people talk about him being inconsistent, him going great here and then being like, eh, there, right? And, and I think I might have contributed to that slightly. I don't view him in that capacity, but I did view maybe him not showing up at the end of the Hampton game was something that I highlighted. And then I heard other people talking about it like it was a stigma. And here's the thing. When you have that stigma around you, it's difficult to erase. Because at the end of the day, every time you show up in a big moment, somebody's waiting for you to not show up in a big moment. And that's just the truth. That's the truth. As soon as you show up, people saying, see, he can do it. And it's that other contingent of people saying, we'll wait. But the beautiful part about this is that this is his last game. This is his walking into the sunset moment. This is him waving goodbye to everybody. And I think that because this is his last game, it'll be the last thing that people see from him. And it'll be a great way to build on his legacy if he's able to have a great game and win in this game. Because all of that, well, he's inconsistent, right? When people start talking about him after the fact, you know, Quentin Williams was kind of inconsistent. Those who are Williams fans can say, well, you know, in the Celebration Bowl, he showed up. He had 270 yards. He had three touchdowns, no interceptions. He had that big throw at the end of the game to Casey Hawthorne, right? So, like, that's what is on the line in an individual fashion for him. Obviously, you want to win the game. He just want to win the game. But from an individual fashion, I do believe that Quentin Williams has the ability to build on top of his legacy in this game now for the next storyline because that one's relatively brief but this one's interesting to me too fam you has gotten to where they've been itching fam you has been getting to where they've been clawing where they've been so close to getting to they finally have arrived at the celebration bowl now you could sit here and say that well you know howard was only a game away last year and yeah they were but it's different 
Because fam, you've been a game away. Fam, you've been close for like four or five years since their last couple of years in the MEAC. They've been there. You're looking at nine or last year in the MEAC. Because I think, I think they were five and something the year before. But like they won nine games at least each of the last four seasons. Each of the last four seasons, once in the MEAC, three times now in the SWAT. But they've been a game away each of the previous three. This year, they're here. This year, they finally got over that hump. This year, they've made it to Atlanta. So with them making it to Atlanta, now what are you going to do with it? Now that you've gotten over this hump, what are you going to do with it? Now that you finally have conquered your, 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 your beast, now that you have conquered your Goliath, what are you going to do now that there's another monster in front of you? I don't know how many of those guys are deep into the, the longstanding disappointment. But a lot of them were there last year. And there was a shift at FAMU. When they make them playoffs, they said, you know what? We're done operating with the net. We're trapeze artists with no net below us. If we fall, we done. So be it. I don't need anything to catch me any longer. And I thought that was a risky thing, but they shut me up because they came out and they did it. If you would ask me four months ago, I would have said, I don't know about that. I always want to have the ability to make the FCS playoffs present. Even if my main my main goal is the is the, the, the celebration bowl, I wanted the playoffs to be an option. That, that's how I was looking at it. But then I also said, if you make the Celebration Bowl, everybody got to shut up. I'm everybody. I got to shut up. But let's look at what this means for each conference real quick. I guess this is a half of a storyline, so to speak. But conference-wise, this is the fourth MEAC school to make a Celebration Bowl. It was North Carolina Central interrupting the, the North Carolina A&T run. Right. So that was their first appearance. And then they made it again last year to get their first victory. But it's been North Carolina A&T. Then the last three years, you've had South Carolina State, North Carolina Central and now Howard all being added. Well, North Carolina Central is already there, but you had three teams in the last three years. And those are the three teams that are still within the MEAC. Now you look at the SWAC. <laughs> the SWAC, ironically, this is FAMU is the fourth SWAC school. To make it. Grambling's made it three times. No, Grambling's made it twice. Once being a victory, Alcorn's made it three times. And then Jackson State's made it twice. So the Celebration Bowl is still a baby. Like it still hasn't been around for a decade. This is still a very young event. But with it being a young event, you've seen a lot of repeat people, whether that be A&T, whether that be a, an Alcorn. Those are the two with the most appearances. So an Alcorn, or excuse me, North Carolina A&T is the only one with multiple victories up to this point. So both of these schools are new to the Celebration Bowl. This is their first birth. They're the fourth team from the conference to make it. That's kind of a cool little similarity. But this is their first birth. They're both looking for their first victory. And the only way for them to do it is to achieve the Locked on HBCU keys to victory. So let's go ahead and look into those. One's a quarterback, one's a running back. 
And I think it'd probably be easy to guess which team is belonging to each category. I don't need to be vague, but we'll be revealing this as we continue with Locked On HBCU. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, and Prize Picks is daily fantasy sports made easy. I'm recording this before the end of the Raiders and Chargers game, but when I started recording, it was 21 nothing. I think Aiden O'Connell is probably going to hit the more on his 200-something passing yards, right? But it's just that simple. Maybe you didn't get a chance to do it for Thursday night football. That's why you have Sunday. That's why you have – I think there might be a couple of games. Actually, the Celebration Bowl ah, the celebration bowl might be the only one, but you got NBA. You got everything that you could guess it's on prize picks. So you say prizepicks.com slash locked on college. It's prizepicks.com slash locked on college. Then you use the code locked on college to get your first deposit matched up to $100 to make yourself an even bigger winner if you're new to prize picks. So once again, go to prizepicks.com slash locked on college. You'll take two to six entries and pick the more or the less on each one of those people. That's wrapping up today's episode of Locked on HBCU. I appreciate you for making this your first listen of the day. Every day, making it all the way to segment three. And I thank you two times for that. Thank you. Thank you. This is the celebration bowl. The season stops in Atlanta. The only reason I'm excited right now is because we get to do a game of the week. And though I'm a little bit sad, right? This is bittersweet. This That's the definition of bittersweet. I love the biggest game of the football season, whether that's the CFB National Championships, whether that's the Celebration Bowl, whether that's the Super Bowl, right? I love all of it, but it's a little bit bitter because that means the season is over. So is what it is. But here goes the key to victory. If FAMU and Howard want to come up with their first Celebration Bowl victory, they need to do this. And it all goes back to the bread and the butter. That's what it all goes to. FAMU, Jeremy Musa needs to be accurate. I like Jeremy Musa a lot. But when I don't like Jeremy Musa, I really don't like Jeremy Musa. That feels like an, a pretty accurate way of describing how he plays. When I watch him and he's on, I like it. That's why, that's why I, I, I don't, I'm never asked for him to be bitched. I've defended him from people saying he should be benched because when he's on, I think he's really good. I think he's a really good quarterback and I've seen him make some nice throws, but I've also seen, I've also seen him go through those lulls. I've also seen him go through moments where he's missing wide open guys. I don't think you can do that because I don't think you're going to have many opportunities. If Marcus Riley is wide open, 15 yards down the field, you got to hit him. If John Murray Sharid is open seven yards down the field, you got to hit him. Howard's secondary is really good. They're not going to give you a lot of opportunities to have wide open wide receivers. I just don't think that's going to be the case. I don't. And I just caught a little, I just caught a little reminiscent last year's celebration bowl, how good Jackson State's defense was, but that's for the next one. But I was just thinking like, well, what did this turn into a shootout? Uh, but basically I need Jeremy Moose to be on for four quarters. If Moose is on for four quarters, I think they win this game. 
if Musa can hit the wide receivers, he can make some tight window throws. If he can make some plays with his arm that aren't just there for him, this is going to be a very difficult offense to stop. And I don't think that Howard will be able to do it if that's the case. Now, that's very that's 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 hard to ask of anybody. Take away all of the scrutiny that scrutiny that has been on Musa. Take all of that out the way. That's a very difficult ask going against a defense of this caliber, right? Like that's that's very tough. But I'm not here for easy. This is a celebration bowl. It's gonna be tough. This is a celebration bowl. It should be the toughest task that you've had all year. So the idea that I'm asking Jeremy Musa to do something that's easier said than done does not mean that it doesn't need to be done because it does. It wholeheartedly needs to be done. And, and I, you know, I say that the fam you running game will be an X factor because I'm not sure if Musa going to be able to do it or not, because over the year he hasn't shown me that he's been able to do it often. And I think that running the ball can, it can drag some things out, right? It can drag some things out as far as longer possessions, maybe less opportunities for you to, to make those mistakes. And maybe sometimes when the passing game just isn't working, if the running game is, now that's how you get through that second quarter where the passing game isn't on point, right? Because you're a multifaceted offense in a very dangerous way. Not just you can run the ball, but you're running the ball very well. But at the end of the day, it's going to come down to Moose and his ability to make the big-time throws. And sometimes the big-time throws will be the most simplistic throws that are there. He just has to hit them. Now the next part, is the running backs win the rushing game if you're Howard? If you want to win, you need to win the rushing game. I can't wait to see the first time that Jared Hunter and Isaiah Major meet. I love the linebacker position. I'm just gonna be honest with y'all. I was way too small probably to try to play that position, but that's why I was playing because they couldn't put me on the D line. I was too short to play corner, right? Probably not even athletic enough to make up for my, my height deficiency at that position. And I played linebacker, and I've loved it. I've loved it. It was the first position that I ever played. It's the last position that I've ever played. And I love that position. And Isaiah Major is one of the guys that I really enjoy to watch. I think that he's a fantastic linebacker. I think that Johnny Chaney is a really good linebacker. And then when it comes to duos, it's them in Morgan State that I love to watch. But let's remember, Morgan State faced this team in the top two running backs, went for 198 yards on 36 carries, averaging five and a half a pop. We're talking about not only the last game, but the last game they were playing an elite defense and Howard was still running the ball with efficiency. So that's what I need you to do in this game if you want to win i need jared hunter to have a good game i need eden james to have a good game those are the things that i will be looking at i've said it before i could care less about conference supremacy and all of that tsu ain't in it i could care less about who wins i got peer pressured by gerald huggins yesterday into making a prediction at the end of the show if you want to hear that you got to watch uh, yesterday's episode all the way through because i ain't doing it again but moral of the story is Musa needs to be able to throw the ball 
Howard needs to be able to run the ball. And if Howard can run the ball and we've seen FAMU have their lows, now you have less possessions. And less possessions mean that your lows are more significant. They're more impactful. So that's why Howard's running game is important because Howard running the ball is a great offensive move and maybe inadvertently it's a great defensive mood move as well because you're running the football and you're generating offense. And if fam, you continue some of their trends of not exactly playing four quarters of football, four quarters of offense. Now their mistakes mean a whole lot more when you cut two possessions off their end of game total. Oh, I can't wait for this game. I cannot wait for the celebration bowl. We'll be back on Monday to clear it up. We'll be back on Monday to wrap up whatever happens. Hopefully, we also have some answers on what's going on with Fred McNair and Texas Southern. Hopefully, that means that Texas Southern has hired Fred McNair. That's who I won, and I kind of ruled it out. I didn't think that it was going to be a possibility. Hopefully, I was wrong. We have so many things to look at. That'll probably be Monday and Tuesday. Yeah, that'll probably be Monday and Tuesday. I think that McNair episode is going to be an episode of its own. So be prepared for that on Tuesday, Celebration Bowl, and maybe something else to fill segment three on Monday. But in the meantime, in between time, until the next time we hear each other, family, you can find me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Take care. Stay blessed. Peace.